It may have had an impact that didn't seem very large at the time, but I think in the future it will. My small act of kindness will generate other small acts of kindness, and those small acts of kindness will then generate more small acts of kindness, and it'll become a ripple effect. So it makes me feel really good. I'm Jeff Stormer, and this is Sustainability at Work, a podcast about real stories of charitable action, community, and giving back. We're deep diving into the details of what it takes to bring people together in the pursuit of a better world on a quest to understand how enacting advocacy works. And today we're talking about the National Day of Service and what it means to give back to your community. On January 16th, 2023, the Philadelphia region alone reports that over 80,000 people will volunteer their time at any number of charitable organizations to honor the advocacy work and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as part of the National Day of Service. And that's just one city out of the country. Nationwide, there are millions of people that choose to honor the legacy of Dr. King by stepping up to give back on this day. When you hear about that many people donating their time and energy, it's hard not to be inspired to do the same. After all, it's not the only time we think about giving back. According to a study by CECP, 65% of businesses offer volunteer time off specifically to encourage employees to give back to their communities. And according to a 2017 Glassdoor survey, 51% of employees and 75% of millennial workers expect their employers to be giving back through a combination of donations and volunteer efforts. So it's clear that we care a lot that VTO is offered and we choose to work with companies that prioritize it, which ultimately means that the expectation is on our shoulders to follow through. Which brings us to the big question. How do you get started? Now on the surface, it's easy to come up with answers to that question that are factually accurate, but miss the heart of the question. You can write a check, you can change your Facebook photo, but to understand what it really means to serve, to show up, we need to be able to find that moment that pushes us to give back and shows us how we can build a better world for ourselves and each other. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that you never take anything for granted. Lisa French is a senior business analyst at Jarrett and a proud participant in the company's VTO program. Her giving moment comes from personal experience and the innate understanding of what one good deed can do for someone in a moment of need. We, I don't know if you're familiar with the layaway system at Walmart, but back in the day, they used to have a layaway system. We had put all of our kids' Christmas presents on layaway. My son was four which meant my daughter was two. And I was just learning front-end web development and things were not were not going so swimmingly as far as getting paid work. And we went to take some stuff off of layaway because we weren't going to be able to afford them all by Christmas. But when we got there, somebody had came in and paid off four of the layaways, just random. And ours was one of the four. So I stood there crying and I promised right then and there, I promised God and everybody that I was going to do this someday. I was going to pay it forward. So what I learned that day and every day since that we have given back is that everybody goes through things. Everybody has times when they need a little bit of help. And if giving a little bit of myself brings somebody else the feeling that I had when I was able to give my child that great Christmas then I want to be a part of that. You bet your butt. I want to be a part of that. Lisa never forgot that moment and made paying it forward a priority from then on, which is how she and her husband ended up delivering 32 turkeys to families in need this past Thanksgiving. 
Now I know what you're thinking. 32, that's a specific number. Why 32 turkeys? I'll let her explain. We originally thought we had to buy all 30 turkeys. And of course, it's right around Thanksgiving time. So there are no turkeys. <laughs> there are no turkeys anywhere. So we actually went to our local grocery store and there was two turkeys left. They were getting more in the next day. We were going to actually come back and buy them out. But we went and we were looking for specific turkeys. I mean, there was a ton of smaller turkeys, right? There was like, you know, the little seven, 10 pound turkeys, but we wanted 13 plus pound turkeys. You never know how big a family is. It was really quite funny because we actually visited three stores, but the one that we wound up going with was the the local grocer had, like I said, had two 17 pound turkeys and we bought both of those. They're like, well, we're getting more turkeys in tomorrow. So, uh, but then they, they were like, well, we don't actually have to buy turkeys. What we do is we buy, we basically give them vouchers. So needless to say, it was actually 32 families that we helped because what we ended up doing with those two turkeys that we bought was a friend of my husband's, uh, he had recently lost his job. So, and he's, he's got six kids, but needless to say, we donated both turkeys to him. And in delivering those turkeys to her friends in need, Lisa got to see the impact paying it forward can have firsthand. It does feel good to pay it forward, but it was more exciting to see our friend Corey, his youngest daughter's name is Lila. And Lila's face when she saw both turkeys, just, it was amazing. You you would have sworn it was Christmas and she was getting the biggest gift ever. Not that they probably wouldn't have had turkey anyway, but just to see those two big birds, she was like, oh my goodness, this is huge. This is bigger than me. It was, I think that was probably the best part, just seeing them smile. It's always the smiles, right? Helping somebody and then seeing their smile. It may have had an impact that that didn't seem very large at the time, but I think in the future it will. I think maybe Lila will look back and remember that day and think to herself, I should pay it forward. Somebody was so nice and so kind to my family, I should pay it forward. And that makes me feel like a million dollars because hopefully my small act of kindness will generate other small acts of kindness. And those small acts of kindness will then generate more small acts of kindness and it'll become a ripple effect. So it makes me feel really good. Now, personal experience is a cornerstone of what can motivate us to give back, but it's not the only cornerstone. Just as important as recognizing how you can help. The unique skills, talents, and knowledge that you possess that can change the lives of the people around you. Being able to say, this is what I can do, this is how I can help, and these are the people who need it, can be an astounding motivator to go out and do good in the world. Probably the last 20 years, I just always felt like, man, I wish I could give back. I wish I could help people. That's Curtis Nicewainer, a business analyst at Jarrett who dedicates time to a variety of causes, from fundraising 5Ks to building beds for sleep in heavenly peace, a charitable organization focused on local children who need beds to sleep in. But most recently, Curtis donated a tremendous amount of time and effort into one crucial cause, supporting friends in his life who are going through a tough situation. The thing I spent the most time with this year is I had a friend who for the last two years was supposed to get a house built. And due to COVID, there was the lumber shortage, supply shortages, hard to get people to work. And it got really close to time for them to have to move out of where they were living. and. They finally got the outer structure built, but they still need a lot of help on the inside. They had, I think it was two months to build the inside of this place. I heard they needed help. I got a hold of them. They're like, yeah, come on, help. So it was near the end of the project, but for three weekends, like all the way up to the deadline of when they had to move out of the other place, I spent every spare hour I had 
gave them about 50 hours of my time in the construction trade. Didn't charge them a dime, didn't want to, just wanted to help out. And when Curtis says he built a house for them, he is not exaggerating about the level of effort involved. So to start it off, there was no air conditioning when I got there. So here it is, the middle of the summer, late June, early July. So we had to pour a pad outside for the outside unit of the air conditioner, and it was supposed to be installed a couple days later. It had issues. Long story short, it was 100 plus outside. It got to be 120 degrees in there one day. We had to cut it short because it was just, that's too hot. And the guys that built the outer structure, uh, it's, it's a pole barn home. They didn't build it square. Not only were the corners not completely square, some of the walls weren't perfectly vertical either. So we had to take a chainsaw in there after the walls were framed and cut down some of the support poles so that they would be flush with the wall. Because it would be fine at the bottom, but you get up to the top and you might have a two-inch overhang to where you know you can't lay drywall on something that's not flat, not without doing a bunch of work. And it wouldn't look good. We did wall framing. We did, we had drywall, the electrical work. We had to do lighting, something I've never seen before. The ceiling in this house was actual metal siding that you see on the outside of like a barn or something. So we had to hang those up. I've hanging 14 foot long sheets of metal can be quite entertaining when it's just two people. And we had to do some, install some doors, some fixtures, some plumbing. I mean, you name it, we installed the inside of this house. When I got there, it was walls and a floor. And at the end of all this, we got it done. I even helped them move till uh, midnight on the final day. But when asked why he needed to step up, Curtis is clear about one thing. It was never a question. It was simply a matter of having the skills to help at a moment when someone needed it. They don't ever ask us for anything. They're well-to-do. They have their own business around here. They work in the financial industry, stuff like that. They're, they They don't need help usually. Just, I heard they needed help and I just... You know, Letterkenny is a good show of mine. And they had a phrase that uh, when a friend helps, when a friend asks for help, you help. And it's just really stuck with me. And it's turned out to be life-changing to have that opinion, honestly, because I used to be so busy and just stuck to myself because I was always busy. And well, I've got new friends and I got to rekindle some old friendships and stuff like that. So now when you combine that firsthand knowledge of what it's like to go through an impossibly difficult experience with the understanding of how you can help and who needs support, you can begin to achieve truly amazing things. Take Lakeisha Riley Burton and the work she has done founding and supporting the Levi J. Burton Foundation, which shares messages of support and handmade keepsakes with grieving parents and facilitates group forums, remembrance ceremonies, and meetups for parents to connect and support one another through a profoundly painful experience. This is actually the foundation named after my son. I started this in 2020 or the beginning of 2021 after he passed away after about a week. And just being uh, working through the grieving process, I found an opportunity to give back to other parents that were grieving the loss of little ones, just figuring out how to not get stuck in that place of the grieving process, how to move past it. Not necessarily like we forgot the little ones or we've just completely gotten over it, but just to move a little closer to being healed a little more, just to progress in that. In building the foundation, Lakeisha was able to take the support she received during her own grieving process and the gestures of kindness she showed to others in a similar position and share that positivity with as many people as possible. Prior to this foundation even coming about, I would do little keepsakes for parents of those that had lost little ones. And then whenever we started the foundation, we kind of kept that going, uh, making sure they had a keepsake just to remember their little ones, keepsake for them, 
just to understand that somebody is there thinking of them. We had them in mind, you know, no matter if you start getting into a dark space, know some people are there that have experienced that with you. And then in last year, we actually had our first annual pregnancy and infant loss forum. So we were able to bring a group of parents together and just talk about the different experiences we've had and just celebrate the time that we had with our children and just appreciate that there is still hope and that we will see them again. And just as Lisa talked about paying it forward, Lakeisha's efforts echoed out, reaching new people and helping them find a sense of support and community. The forum that we actually did, we were able to do this at a museum. It was a gardens and museum. And we had a butterfly release at the end of the forum. And we had these people that were actually touring the museum and the gardens and they were stopping and they were filming. They were taking pictures and they wanted to know, you know, what is this about? Who Who is this for? How can we um, find out more about the organization? How can we get names to you guys so we can get our loved ones or people that we may know? How can we get them in touch with you guys? So I think just in that moment, and that was in November, just seeing how that one event was able to kind of create a pipeline for us. It was very exciting to me because we were able to see just that taking those few hours that day. I mean, it took a lot of planning up to that point, but just for those few hours, the impact that we were able to make with people talking about never seeing this before, never really knowing what to say whenever somebody lost a loved one or a little one. You know, people were able to say, we now know how to approach this subject or we know now how to at least start the conversation rather than trying to shy away from it. Or we know some activities that we can do, such as a butterfly release, a bubbles release, just something that we can do to help the next person. So I think seeing that impact in just those short hours, to me, that was exciting. And that really stuck with me, just people that had not talked about this for maybe 30 years or those that had just recently lost that never thought they'd be able to talk about it in a room full of other parents. I mean, just that event itself was very impactful for me. And those moments when she gets to see the impact her work has on the people that she reaches out to, according to Lakeisha, that's what it's all about. After we spent, I think the third, I believe it was the third um, keepsake gift, and it was actually to a neighbor across the street from where we used to live. And she sent me a handwritten note. And just to see that she was appreciative that someone thought of her. A lot of times when people lose babies, lose children, they just think, okay, you should be over it by now. But for somebody to take the time out of their schedule to make something for her, to present it to her and just let somebody know where we're letting her know that we were there, we were thinking of her, like just having that handwritten note for me, that was like, okay, we are making a difference. It's not just, we send this off, we send this to them. They say, thank you. And they move on to have her send a note back to say, thank you. And my child's name was blah, blah, blah. It was like, wow, you know, this, we are making a difference and it may not be able to reach the whole world, the whole nation, but we are making a difference in every life that we touch. So I really appreciated that. Now, when we talk about paying it forward, there's touching the lives of the people that we help, but that's only part of the equation. There's also ensuring that we pass that understanding of the value of giving on to the next generation and model that sense of charity for the children in our lives. Showing them, you know, how this can impact another individual's life in, in a very positive way. Leanne Benoit is sales director for education at Jaren and for several years has worked within her community in a variety of capacities, including donating to clothing drives for families in need. 
So one that we did, actually, we live in a community, a larger neighborhood of a lot of families. So it was a project that we worked on with some of our neighbors where the kids were actually going through their closets and finding their jackets and coats that didn't fit anymore that they had perhaps grown out of. And we were collecting them. We laundered them all. And then they were donated to, in our town, we have a local charity that does two prongs. One is they donate the coats to various schools because there's a lot of kids at some of the schools in the area that just don't have the proper winter clothing. And then two, we also have a lot of refugees in our town from Afghanistan, from Ukraine, you know, pretty much all over the world right now, there's various families that are being sponsored. And you know, coming from some of these countries that don't have winter <laughs> to the same level that we do in the Northeast, as I'm actually in Connecticut. It was all about gathering clothing that was still in good condition and still had plenty of life left in it to be able to be repurposed to kids who needed that and, and could really use it over the winter. So that was nice because I think it really gave my kids just a firsthand understanding of something they they're just not aware of, or, you know, it's just not a kid cognizant sort of idea that, oh, another child like me might be cold or doesn't have a hat, doesn't have mittens. And just them understanding why that might be their reality that these other children might be facing, I think is important just to add that perspective in the world. Her goal, as she said, wasn't just to do good for the people that she was helping directly. It was to ensure that her family understood the power of giving back to inspire them to continue to help out for years to come. My youngest obviously has a six-year-old understanding, but, you know, for him, it's just really like he gets into the process of, oh, okay, I've got to find coats. So we're going through everyone's closets or we're going through bins where, you know, smaller clothes go or winter clothes go. And so for him, it's very task focused. But he gets joy from that because he's like, oh, I have a job. I have a purpose. And now I see it. And then, you know, he slowly starts to understand the impact that 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 has down the road. Whereas my older son, who's 13, you know, he gets it on a different level than a six-year-old would. So I hope that it brings him joy, (laughs) you know. I do think it's going to have impact down the road. My own personal history, you know, I wish I had done more sooner at that age. So I I hope that, you know, as 20-somethings and as adults going on to the world, it's something that they remember and has a positive lasting effect on them. It's a small gesture for them, you know, look at their winter clothes and make a decision what doesn't fit or, or, you know, what they've outgrown and are they willing to part with it now or do I have to wait another year sort of thing. But that if they are willing to part with it, they're really going to help and impact another, you know, individual. And so seeing that seed planted within my own children is the most valuable thing for me, because as I said, that's, it's just something I feel like it's very important in this day and age. And as they go forward as adults and, you know, moving on in their own lives, I want them to be cognizant of the world they live in and how they can create some positivity. You know, they're bombarded with, with a lot of negativity, unfortunately, you know, every, day in and day out. So this is one area that when you have those sort of, you know, down times or those bad times, you can draw on to help to have a foundation as a positive, impactful human going out into the world. As you've heard here today, there are a lot of different reasons why someone might get inspired to give back. It might be the memory of personal experience and the knowledge of what an impact, an act of kindness could have. It could be the understanding that you have the skills to help and the responsibility that comes with that understanding. 
It could be the hard-earned knowledge that comes from painful experience and the belief in the power of community to support people in that same position. Or it could be a desire to pay forward that good to the next generation to inspire them to pursue a lifetime of charitable giving. But when asked what advice they would give someone looking to take that first step and find opportunities to give back, all four of our guests said almost the exact same thing. I would say find something that you love and give back. Don't use any excuses. Don't say maybe whenever the time is right, the time will never be right. Just do it. I'd say go for it, you know, I mean, regardless of whether you can do any kind of financial, there's so many other things you can do. Start right where you live, you know, every town has schools that participate in various um, charities and projects. Just about every town has a food bank. If you have friends asking for help, help them. You know, sometimes the help is nothing other than moral support. Sometimes the help is doing something you enjoy and just sharing it with others. Giving can take a lot of different forms. It can be a massive uplift or a tiny gesture that you're already doing. It can be through an organization or it can just be a personal favor to a friend or a loved one. It doesn't matter the shape it takes or the size of the gesture. The thing that matters on this national day of service that honors the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is the sheer value in finding that aha moment and taking that first step because every step after that is going to be a little bit easier. And with every extra step you take towards charitable giving, a little more of that energy ripples out to the people around you. And that is sustainability at work. This has been Sustainability at Work. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Curtis, Lakeisha, Leanne, and Lisa for your absolutely amazing stories and for the good work you've put into the world. Sustainability at Work is, as always, produced by Jaren in collaboration with Salesforce. I am Jeff Stormer, your host and producer. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or heading to jaren.com to receive email updates when we drop a new episode. Until next time, thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.